All right. And today I am here with Davis, also known as Galaxy Rocker. Uh, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, who you are, what languages you speak or have learned about, and what your relationship with the language learning community is? Yeah, so I'm Davis or Galaxy Rocker. Uh, my language learning stuff started when I was younger with dabbling in French, though I never kept that up. And then I went to university and I started learning Irish. And that's where if you know the name Galaxy Rocker, it's probably through the old Duolingo forums. When the Irish was released there, I was all in the forums using that name. And then working on just general language learning on Reddit, our Glelga and our language learning as well. And just doing a lot of stuff with Irish. Since then, I've dabbled across more languages than I can count. I've dabbled in Chinese, Japanese, Finnish, Old Irish, Middle Welsh, Modern Welsh. I could go on and on, but the only two I'm really focusing on are Irish and French at the moment. And with the language learning community, as I said, I've dabbled across a lot of things helping on the Duolingo forums. And now it's mostly just, I stick mostly to Reddit because the forums are sadly gone. And there I'm modding our language learning and our Guelga, the Irish sub. And I think you also might have been transiently active on the forums.languagelearners.org. Yes, I still, I'm there. I read it regularly, but I don't post nearly as much. Like I still check, I was actually checking it just earlier today, just but I don't keep up with my logs because I'm very erratic in what I do. And I'm mostly at the stage where I just do reading and passive stuff. So there's not much to say, oh, I studied this, I studied this. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not super active there either, but it is a fount of information. Um, oh, it is. It's a wonderful forum and just the resources available there. And any question you have, there's somebody there who will probably know the answer. And here at Refold, we we probably catch a lot of flack on, the, on our language learning. Uh, we take a very input-heavy approach to language learning. Um, and it sounds like you're, you you actually have tested B2 for Irish, right? Yes. Or C1? Yes. B2 certified. But I work B2 with certified. Irish. So, so I was actually going to do C1 this year. And it's it was last weekend, I think. And I was traveling. So gotcha. I already had plans to be out of the country. So why Irish? Because, uh, you know, you're American. And yes. when pe people don't tend to learn... Uh, minority languages, especially minority languages from other countries. Yeah, so it started uh, when I was at university. The, I went to the University of Notre Dame, and they have an Irish program there. And you can learn Irish. And it was, you have to take, unless you're a business major or an engineer, you have to take three semesters of a foreign language. And I just thought Irish was really, really interesting. I did it for a year, fell in love. And then they had grant money to send you out to the Gweltacht to do immersion programs. And so I did that, that I did that two years in a row, actually, and just kind of fell in love with it and decided I want to keep this up. I was at a conversational, comfortable enough level at that point that I could just read and listen to stuff and improve my own Irish while keeping up without, while maintaining it. And, but it was just really, it was just, I fell in love with the language. I had great teachers and then going to Connemara where they speak it daily. It was just kind of a, oh, there's, this is real language and it's just, it's a lovely thing. And you were learning Irish, I guess, in college. Uh, and you've since, if I'm allowed to say, you've since moved to Ireland. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I moved to Ireland a re like two years ago, during the, like right after the pandemic was coming out, to do a master's. 
and since then I've actually been working. Now the master's was not in anything related to Irish, but since then I have been working with Irish. I worked as a research assistant at uh, Dublin City University for a year, and now I'm working there as a teaching assistant. Okay, so you now work with Irish. Yes, so I'm teaching Irish to the mostly the so in Ireland all school all students have to learn Irish in primary and secondary school. And all primary school teachers have to do courses in it. So I'm teaching those modules to them, to the future primary school teachers. And I also, this past year, I actually taught math through Irish. So Dublin City University, to do a little plug here, has a program called so Irish and business. So you learn all basically all the business curriculum, but you do it through Irish. And so we did like a quantitative methods course for that this past year, this past semester. But you're teaching courses in Irish, you know, things like mathematics, business, and you're also teaching Irish to the Irish. Yes. Okay, very cool. And what has that been like? You know, when you look at a language like English or Spanish, uh, they're used in pretty much all domains, right? From uh, home life to talking about physics. Um, and Irish isn't a different not not in a very good state unfortunately um the native speakers are dwindling and uh it's taught in ireland but i i gather most irish people don't speak irish no they might know what they call the cupola fuckle the a few words okay. a couple of words but for the most part they and they could they might honestly a lot of them probably know more than they think about think they do just like if you've done any language in school, you're like, oh, I can't speak it. But then if you had to, more would come back to you, especially if they spent 12, 13 years doing Irish. So a lot of it does come back. They could have a basic conversation. But yeah, it's been very interesting, especially the domains issue, because it is very, there's sort of a little bit of diglossia of a sense in that the native speakers generally only use a lower domain. They use it at home. They're very just casual with it. It's very much, and there's a lot of English loan words thrown into their speech. Whereas the people who will be using it in the higher domains are mostly learners. Now, they might be very, very, very fluent learners, high Irish C1, C2, but it's still the same issue. It's like, and so the native speakers wouldn't know these words to talk about physics or anything. Whereas the people who do are mostly people who are affiliated with universities or with the EU. And so there's kind of a split between the people who speak the language daily as just a native language, as a language, and then the people who speak it daily kind of for work. But there's something similar going on in the States with Hawaiian, um, where there's a large community of L2 speakers of Hawaiian. And unfortunately, they tend to not be, you know, like a, an indigenous Hawaiian, and they tend to not interact with native speakers as much. So you get this sort of l2 learner ease that's become sort of a, a neo dialect yes so that exact same thing has happened in irish and there's quite a lot of there's quite a few studies about it in irish there's uh Cahiro gilligan there's been several talk about it. there's actually one book that talks about it at monkhomer creek is the name of it i have it on my desk at work actually i didn't bring it home with me but um they talk about how that the language shift, even among the native speakers, is pretty much, it's very like an L2 sort of ease, and it's very much in the way towards English. And then there's several researchers who research, Brian O'Brien O'Brien specifically at 
he's somewhere in the States, does research on the quantitative differences between the L2 speakers and the native speakers. Like, so Irish and the Celtic languages are very unique in that they have initial mutations. So you can say like ka, which is throw, but then ha is through. Where the, it's been lenition is what it's called there. And so it's kind of, it goes from ka to ha. And they, he's done some quantitative research into how often those are missed by like learners, by non-native speakers, including very, very fluent ones versus native speakers and things like that. And there's some quantitative differences and it's made even more so by um, the Gloskos. So these are the Irish medium primary schools and then Gloskos to the secondary schools. And there's actually a neat YouTube video for anyone who's interested. Um, Gloskos, uh, error laden pigeon or creative creole, something along that. But Gloskos. And it talks about these differences and how like they're doing stuff that's not English but it's also not Irish at the same time, which is really weird. And it's sometimes difficult for the people from the Gaeltachti, the native, the traditional native speakers to understand these kids who've had all their education through Irish. Now they might speak English at home, but they only speak Irish at school and with their friends while they're at school at least. And it's, there is that L2Es and it's very, it's an interesting subject and it's sometimes it's also somewhat contentious at times too. Interesting. So regarding this, uh, the, the, the variation in Irish, how mutually intelligible is Irish across the dialects? If you go from the south to the north, for example, at, at any point does it become where two native speakers um, would have a hard time communicating? Uh, not particularly. Now, especially now with Radio on the Gwaltachta, which was established in the 70s, if I, if I recall correctly. Before then, it wasn't so much that they would have trouble. It'd be like someone from, with a really deep Southern American accent, going to Scotland, who's never had any exposure. Give them 20 minutes listening and figuring out for a day, and they were able to talk fine. But now they do have a lot more exposure. So anyone, you could go to any of the Gwaltachti, and anybody from there could go there, and they would understand each other now. Very cool. So regarding immersion learning in Irish, short of going to Ireland, is there content in Irish? Can you reliably get news, documentaries, dramas, things like that? Are those being produced in Irish? Yes, they are. So actually, there is an Irish language soap opera, uh, Rust in the Room, which is quite famous. It's been going on since 1996. I think they're on season 26 or something of it now. And from what I understand, it was actually quite progressive for Irish television. Like, I think the first um, gay kiss on Irish TV was on Rust in the Room, actually. And this was back, like, early 2000s, early 90s. And so it was, or late 90s. And so they're a very progressive TV show with that. The news is, like, you can get your daily news in Irish. They also have a talk show called Shocked Law, Seven Days. So they do have, like, a weekly talk show. And the news, the new thing about the news and the talk show is there are no subtitles. So for the longest time, all Irish language shows had English language subtitles burned in on them. So you couldn't even turn them off when you were watching online. They finally started to change away from that and start providing Irish subtitles. But there are, there's a lot of documentaries, especially if you like music. They do, they take pride in the traditional Irish music. And so they do a lot of documentaries on that. A lot of nature ones as well. There are documentaries in Irish. There are is news. It's out there. Now, you're not going to have much choice just being a minority language. You're not going to have the choice that you have in English. But there is, there is stuff out there that you could use for immersion learning. 
And now very the other cool. issue is it's not very graded. There's cool the kids' channels, and then it's like straight to content full blown for adults who speak already and listen already. Yeah, and that actually happens with some uh, very robust national languages as well. Um, particularly when it's not learned by a lot of people from outside of the country. You know, um, I remember learning Filipino. I went straight from grinding vocab into reading uh, young adult romance novels because that was the easiest stuff I could find. Um, so that, that definitely can happen. So I have a question. Uh, have you ever experienced any of the the sort of Irish varieties outside of Ireland. So I believe that there are some uh, Gaelic-speaking parts of North America. I think maybe Newfoundland and Canada yeah, might so have with, a variety. So with Irish, unfortunately, I think the Newfoundland one died back in the at the end of the last century, not the end of the uh, the mid nineteenth century at the latest or mid. Yeah, there's yeah. not much information now. We have recordings of people who knew the last native speakers and who had these words like, oh, my grandma would always say this word, or this word. But that went down. Now, there is still living Scottish Gaelic communities in Canada, Cape Breton oh, okay. and that as well. Now, and the issue between language and dialect with those with Irish and Scottish Gaelic is it's iffy. I know people in Ireland who are like, no, they're all one language. But then I also know people in Ireland like, no, we're Irish, they're Scottish. So it's a very contentious claim there, but they are the mutual intelligibility is with some exposure. It's decent enough to do. Like it wouldn't take me that long to understand Scottish Gaelic. Gotcha. Yeah, I know that didn't Ireland reform their spelling recently. Yes, in the forties, I think. So might have been early fifties. Yeah, and I think. In Scotland, they still use the historic spelling. Yeah, they use a more. Uh, I think they had a reform, but like they didn't reform it nearly to the length that Irish did. And they do gotcha. so. There is, there is still more of an etymological based spelling that Irish gotcha. now lacks. Yeah, I, I've heard that. Like, um, it's particularly when you get to the northern part of Ireland, uh, it starts getting to be where those speakers can understand uh, Scottish Gaelic a little bit better than people say from the Southwest. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like that's what, um, even their word for the negative. So in Irish in standard Irish, you mark the negative with me, but in Scotland it's ka and up North they would use ka instead of me. And so there are, is, there's a lot of similarities and if the dialect continuum hadn't gone extinct, like we knew of the Irish that would have been spoken in what is now Northern Ireland. And some of those it's like East Ulster Irish was very, very, very similar to the Irish right across the channel, mid uh that just that whole area along the channel there, the sea. And you mentioned earlier, you mentioned um, studying like Middle Irish a little bit. Yeah. Um, how far can you go back and reliably be reading something that is modern Irish? So the issue with Irish is that there was pretty much until the spelling reform, there was kind of a classical standard called classical Gaelic. And this was used across the Gaelic world. So it was used in Scotland as well as in Ireland. Now I say across the Gaelic world it was not used on the Isle of Man, but it was used across there. And like some of those can go back to, I think the 1300s 
but reliably and understand. Like it is difficult because the grammar is different. Like the spelling for some words, if you know the old spelling, if you only knew the Irish modern spelling post-reform, it becomes a lot, lot more difficult. But if you knew the old spelling and knew some etymology of the words, and then once you got used to the grammar and syntax differences and maybe some of the semantic shifts that have happened, you could probably fairly easily go back to at least the 1600s, if not right. a bit further. Interesting. And is there a large body of text for people learning Middle Irish? Yes. So middle, most of the stuff that from what I understand is a lot of it is in Middle Irish. And most of our old Irish stuff is actually interpolated in the Middle Irish text. Okay. And so there is a lot of Middle Irish and Old Irish stuff out there. Now, how much of it has modern editions that are easily accessible? That's a different question. <laughs> gotcha. But actually, speaking specifically with Middle Irish, that does remind me, there is a website, uh, lave.org, I think. It's based from the University of Connecticut. And they're working on doing classical Gaelic and Middle Irish texts and doing introductions to them so people can be able to read them. But focusing, from what I remember, specifically on people who already can read modern Irish. Basically trying to just uh -huh. extend it a bit more so you can get access to this older corpus of text. Need. And I don't know. There's something, I don't know if there's something called Old Irish and also Primitive Irish that exists as well. Um, but yes. I, I would imagine those would be far less intelligible. Yeah, so Primitive Irish is... So it's really weird. Old Irish, Irish specifically, or Gaelic, went through a really, their ver old Irish verbs are the most complicated verbal system I've ever seen. I had one friend who it's just, it was bad. Like, so each verb has two forms, depending on if there's a particle before it or not. And sometimes these forms, because of sound changes, sometimes these forms look nothing like each other. So you pretty much have to memorize both forms for every verb. So that happened between the primitive and old Irish shift. So if you go back even further, like primitive Irish looks very much like just a classical Indo-European language. Like it wouldn't be that different. It would be different, but it would be that different from, say, Latin or ancient Greek if you knew the sound changes and how to go from one to the other. But then old Irish is where things get really, really weird with the verbs. And that's when I think Irish moved to verb first initial order as well. And so it is. things get much more difficult with Old Irish. And then since then, it's become the verbal system, especially, has just regularized down through the centuries. Gotcha. And it's interesting that you talk about verb initial. Uh, Philippine languages tend to also be verb initial. That's neat. Yeah, I've, I've gotten used to it now, but it was so really weird. It threw me off for a while first. It's like, oh, trying when I was still back in the stage where I had to translate from English to Irish to speak. <laughs> Now, I think I've stumbled upon a couple of your posts throughout the years. Um, and I think I've seen you say that you prefer older Irish for your input when you're immersing in Irish and you're trying to get the language into your head. Um, you tend to prefer older publications, older stories, things like that, as opposed to stuff written by modern Irish speakers. Does, is that still true today? Yes, that is still true. And a lot of it has to do with what we've talked about earlier, what we talked about earlier with kind of just the, the sort of L2 dialect that's even taken in, in place in the natives, among the native speakers, just as English is the stronger language, as Irish falls out of the use as the domains which Irish is used just drop get fewer and fewer every year. 
And so I try to find the older stuff from, so my specific focus is I focus on a very specific dialect, Connemara. So that's a minor dialect of the Connacht dialect in general. And so I try to get pre-standardized works for me. Because I know if they were writing at that time period, generally they would have been born maybe at the end of the 19th century when Irish was still very much a community language. So it's trying to get there just because it is usually, it's usually richer. There's more words used. There's more nuance. It's like the difference, even in English, we notice this difference between where, like, what's the difference between a brook and a stream and a creek? Things like that. Like, I still, like, now people in English would still recognize, oh, there's three words. Whereas later Irish, like, they might have the word for stream only. They wouldn't have the word for brook and creek. And so it's kind of just that loss, with the loss of domains, the loss of moving away from the land, that there is a lot of vocab. There's a lot fewer words in the modern stuff, a lot fewer rare syntax structures and all of that. So I try to find some of the older stuff, just because I think it is a bit richer. Interesting. And is there a reason why you focus on this particular dialect? Uh, so my first teacher is actually from Donegal, a totally different dialect area. But then I got the grant. When I got the grant to go to study, it was in that area. And I just fell in love with that. And then when I came back, the teacher I had the, my last two years at university, she was born and raised there. And so that's just what I got used to speaking and hearing all the time. And I went back there and I keep going. Now I've got friends from the area. So just kind of fell into it because that's happened to be where I first went in Ireland and then had teachers from there which is also the most spoken dialect as well. So, Okay. So it uh, it's the most spoken variety. So it's got a little bit of some sort of soft power, you know, yeah, being exactly. the most spoken L1 variety. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I feel totally out of my element. I, I really know very little about the Celtic languages, you know. Um, uh and that is unfortunate, <laughs> uh, particularly because my my father's mother was actually fresh off the boat uh, from Ulster. So, um, yeah, I know very little about it. Yeah, they're they're very interesting. Like I've dabbled some in the others and in the older forms, and especially the ones that lived. So the insular Celtic languages they are very interesting, just with the mutations where grammar is done by sound change and not by morphemes or whatever. And with the conjugated being verb first. And it's actually, there's some weird stuff with Welsh where it went from verb initial to verb second and then back to verb initial. If I remember correctly, there's some weird stuff going on with that. And then just conjugated prepositions. So like you wouldn't say to me, you'd have one word, you'd be like to me, to him. So like the word uh, to, uh, duh, and then may is dom, but then together it's dom instead of domain like so it's a lot of the conjugated prepositions there there's a lot of really weird features yeah I, i've also heard that some celtic languages have like a default plural so you have to singularize the word where you oh, take i've a... not heard that i could believe it that might be breton or welsh i don't think it happens in irish okay but i wouldn't surprise me given everything just how weird they are it wouldn't surprise me at all yeah, I feel like that's something that happens. Um, that some of the uh, some Celtic languages have like a, a default plural, and then you have to add. And so, like you know how we have uh, one dog, two dogs, we add on that morpheme to pluralize. Uh, 
mm-hmm. they would do the opposite or they would add on a morpheme to make it singular. Yeah. But again, I'm way out of my element here. Yeah, I know I feel like very I've little read about something this. about that with Breton in France, but I don't know enough about Breton to comment for certain. It does sound familiar. Yeah. Well, very cool. And if anyone is listening to this and they want to learn Irish, what would your recommendations be, uh, particularly when it comes to finding Irish stuff to take in, to input with, you know, books, series, YouTube videos, uh, folk tales, anything that people can use to consume, what would your advice be? Yeah, so the first thing I would say is there's two very good Discord servers that I lurk in. Uh, one is just called Celtic Languages, and the other is called Crack Laguelga. So Celtic Languages obviously focuses on all of them, but it is very Irish-centric. It's much heavily based in Irish. And then Crack Laguelga is just an Irish immersion server. There is one channel where you're allowed to speak English, and that's only if you're asking a question about the language. So you get all levels, but they're very good for getting immersed in Irish and very knowledgeable people who can also answer questions. As for video, as for radio, there's Radio de Gueltachta, which is the Gueltachta radio, the native speaking radio. Then there's two channels in Dublin, Radio Nalifa and Radio Rira. And then there's a channel up in Belfast, Radio Falcha. So there's good radio content. For TV, you're going to want to go to TG Cahars. They have a website. So that's TG4. Cahars is the Irish word for it. They have a website where pretty much everything is available to stream. If you love watching uh, Gaelic football and hurling, they do the club matches through Irish. They'll also make sure the finals are always posted through Irish. There's always Irish commentary on the semifinal games and the finals. But they do. That's where you'll find they have a very nice library as well for that. For books, it's a bit harder to get the content for books because there's not many on Kindle. There's some but most of them would you would have to buy them. So you just have to go to, I would be very wary of anything on Amazon. I've come across recently a lot of machine translated stuff where they just throw in a whole book text to DeepL or to Google Translate and then just sell it on Amazon. But on uh, Shop Hour with Conor Nagoga is a good, they'll have pretty much any book or um, I think it is, .com is their tagline was once every Irish language book in print. And so that's where you can buy them, at least. There's places to a buy shame that, that these Irish books are not e-texts. Because I feel like e-texts just make things so much easier. It's easier for people to buy them. It's easier for people to, you know, if they want to install a dictionary, they can uh, do, do lookups quicker. Um, and I personally, I have a couple of physical books, but they're mostly things like textbooks. I've moved purely over to e-texts when possible. Yeah, there is one of the companies, um, Chloe Arconta, uh, one of the publishers does try to, but again, most of their books are still physical. You can get some of them, but I actually don't know when the last time they had a new release that was an e-book was. So it's quite unfortunate that they don't have that and that it is very difficult because like I do my stuff, like all my books, I keep them here, even though I don't live in Ireland. Like I'm from the States. I live in Ireland. I keep a lot of my books at my parents, but then I just make scans for myself because it is when you're traveling, when you're moving, it is easier to have the text, to have digital copies of the text. And even though I can't get the same luck as being able just to hold long press on a word to get a dictionary open, 
At least I can just do control T. <laughs> right. Open a new tab. I don't have to necessarily go so pull out a dictionary or move away from the book to get to the computer. And it does make stuff a lot, it does make it a lot easier. And it is more of a, sh a real shame that there aren't. Yeah, uh, it's, it's tough, you know, it's tough. Um, but it sounds like Ireland is trying. They're doing a lot of cool things. Publishers are doing cool things. Um, and it sounds like if you want to learn Irish, you can learn Irish in 2023. You know, the it's out there. The language is out there. There are speakers. There's documentaries. There's uh, Gaelic football matches. There's stuff for you to do to interact with the language anywhere in the world, which is really cool. Yeah, there definitely is. And that was the boon to me. Even just looking back 10 years ago when I graduated university and then came back from Notre Dame back home. And it's like, okay, I'm nowhere where I'm at. Hey, I can easily access it. What can I do? And it's like, there was still TGK and they had their library and you had some of the radio streaming stuff online, but like, that was it. There was not nearly the options available online. Like discord wasn't around. And I will say that is probably the handiest thing because you can try whatever level you're at. If you just want to try your output, even if you just want to sit there and read everything, but as long as you go and you're like, Hey, what does this mean? People will break it down for you. They help. It is a great place for even the more comprehensible input stuff because they can ask and be like, hey, what is this? Even if you don't want to ask, it's there. It's a lot of more modern stuff, too. And you don't have to sit through a whole show or watch something you're not interested in. It's probably the best place to find more modern stuff because the documentaries are going to be nature based. They're going to be music based. The news is going to be pretty local news, especially on writing the Grail Talk stuff. And so it does get kind of hard if you if you have wide variety of interest, you'll be great because it is very limited. And that actually leads me. There is one thing. Once you learn the old spelling, uh, they sent So Ireland was very, very good in the 1930s. They realized what a treasure their folklore was. And so they sent collectors, full time collectors, whose job it was was to just go around and talk to old people and write things down. And they're in the process. So. They had the school, the schools all do it at the time. And that collection has been digitized, both in English and Irish, on Duchess Punk I. And we actually, that actually was the research project I was working on when I first started working with Irish. I was working on digitizing all of that. And it's very neat. And they're working on the main manuscript collection, which has a lot of these old tales. So, like, you might have heard of Finn and Rory and all those. It has all those old tales of what could have possibly been the pagan gods back at one point. And so it's really neat to see, okay, with these tales still alive, we can come back and we can read them as they were taken down by the people from the mouth of the storytellers 100 years ago. And so that site's really neat. Now it is all in the old spelling, because that was before the reform. But there's, if you love the folklore and all that, there's thousands upon thousands of thousands of pages of content from all across the country. Even dialects that no longer exist have content that are dead now have content in that, which is really neat to see. Always a sad thing whenever a speech variety goes extinct. Yes. And, um, yeah. So it's really cool that you can look back and see, uh, you know, historic varieties that once existed and read the tales. That's really neat. Yeah. So, 
Regarding Irish, um, what's what's the deal with Manx, with the Isle of Man? You mentioned earlier, notably, that they did not have a classical Gaelic written language. Uh, they they were not part of that sort of yeah so place I think where they had- Manx was first written. I'm friends with one of the primary Manx researchers, Christopher Lewin, and I know he's probably going to scold me if I get this wrong, but I want to say it was first written in the 1600s. And so back then, they didn't, the people who wrote it didn't have knowledge of the traditional Gaelic orthography. So it's kind of more of an orthography based on English orthography, but adapted. And you'll hear a lot of people complain about it, undoubtedly so. Like it, it gets a lot more flack than it deserves. But yeah, so the last native speakers of Manx, it's written more of an English orthography, but it is documented. So the last native speakers died out in the 70s. And thankfully, the Irish folklore project that I was talking about, uh, they sent collectors over. So we do have a lot of recordings of them because they recognized in Ireland, like, hey, we're doing this. We'll send people, people over there to record. So there's a lot of recordings, but they are actually going strong. They have a lot of uptake. Even at the time, there were very, very, very proficient learners, very strong L2 speakers, and they've continued on. They've got a primary school. The number is growing. Like, they're doing great things. They've got a fully searchable corpus, like, in progress. Like, they are doing amazing things on creating. Basically, instead of where all the other people are arguing over what to do, in a way to put it, the banks are just, hey, we're doing it. We'll just go build this. And they're doing really great. Like, the revival is going along amazingly, honestly. I'm kind of jealous. And do you find that Manx is intelligible to you as an Irish speaker? Sometimes. Like I said, I have the friend who works with it. And like when he speaks, I can understand some of the stuff. Written, it's a lot more so. I have some things I have to say out loud and be like, oh, okay. But yeah, it is intelligible enough. Probably 60, 70%, I would say. I don't know if it, it wouldn't be easy for me to read a book, but okay. it would be doable with a dictionary. And there is actually, there's a professor at University of Washington, St. Louis, Kevin Scannell, who has done a Irish, Scottish Gaelic, Scottish Gaelic Manx trilingual dictionary, which is amazing. Just being able to read one and then look in the ones you know and see, okay, what are the cognate words if there are there? It's like, oh, okay. And so that does, it is handy there. Those, those, those types of dictionaries are great. Uh, there's yeah, an Austronesian dictionary. That has, yeah. um, you can look up a word and it'll list most, well, not most, because there are just so many Austronesian languages, you know, due to being remote yeah. islands and stuff, but it'll list uh, half a dozen or so of the um, the, the reflexes of, of the, the proto word. So, you know, those sorts of etymological dictionaries or, or, you know, dictionaries that compare multiple languages are just super valuable because when you look at dialect continuums and closely related languages, I don't want to get into the politics of it. um, Being able to identify sound shifts is huge. And then also being able to identify semantic shifts is huge. So having that in a, in a dictionary is very powerful. Yeah, exactly. And it's very handy because also with specifically with those languages, otherwise you're going to have to go through English. So you're going to be filtering, okay, Manx to English. And then, oh, if I want to do Irish, it's then English to Irish. And not having to, being able to skip that intermediary step of English is amazing, honestly. 
having these types of dictionaries. Like, okay, I can go from Irish to Manx or Manx to Irish. Yeah, interesting. So stepping back from the talk about Irish for a sec, uh, you also moderate forward slash our language learning, right? The the biggest yes. sort of language learning subreddit. What's that like? Uh, I'm not super active there. I think I've I don't want to. There's not a lot of new information for me to <clears throat> gleaned from the subreddit, no, so I'm not really. Active I have there. to agree with that. So I check a few times a day now, mostly for the modding stuff. But so yeah, it's not too busy. It's most people. It's just a lot of people wanting to learn. And because there's so many new people coming in the way Reddit promotes things, it's like we do get a lot of basic questions like, how did I learn Spanish? Like that's the majority of the stuff that we're modding is these basic, how do I learn Spanish? Or, oh, do I, which language do I learn next? Do I learn, do I learn Spanish or French? Like no other context, just Spanish or French. It's like, who knows? Which one do you want to learn? And so that's mostly what the modding is, is okay. Can we just make sure these types of questions don't drown out everything else. But it is like, I'm not super active on it myself unless someone does ask something relevant to the Celtic languages or to the Gaelic languages specifically. Otherwise it's just, it is, as you said, it's a lot of the knowledge. Once you've learned a few languages or one and have dabbled in others, like a lot of it's like, okay, yeah, I know what works for me. But it is very handy with that. Um, and I, I feel like, the language learning subreddit leans a little bit younger than some other language learning spaces. Like I feel like uh, languagelearners.org, we tend to be like in our thirties or older. Um, whereas, you know, I feel like on, on, on the language learning subreddits, you get a very young crowd. That might just be what I have noticed. It might not be. No, reality. I definitely agree with that. I think we haven't done a, demographic survey for a few years but i think last time it was very much like under 25 even and i'd say that as reddit's popularity has grown that's shifted even younger like i would be very surprised if the average age was 25 even on it there are a lot of it is very young and so it is a lot of enthusiastic people wanting to learn their first language but it's also Use the search. Well, Reddit search is awful, so I'm not going to blame anyone for not using Reddit search. I, yeah, I but, search Reddit with, from Google. <laughs> I do too. So, site site colon Reddit site colon Reddit dot com. Yeah, it's much easier. If no one does that. It's much easier than relying on Reddit search. For sure. Um, that's that's how I've been. But I've been a, a Reddit power user for like a decade. Uh, so, you know. I think the search has actually gotten better on Reddit, but I'm not sure because I never use it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm still on old Reddit, so <laughs> I never updated to the new one. I just couldn't do the design. So I imagine it's quite a big subreddit. So I help moderate some of the uh, the refold subreddits, but they're not super big and active, you know. And um, I can imagine that moderating a large subreddit takes up a lot of time. Do you find it to be a time-consuming uh, hobby, sort of curating the, the Reddit community? Yeah, not particularly. And actually, we just crossed a million a few weeks ago. So for size information there, I don't find it too bad myself, but there's a team of 10 or 11 mods. So there's quite a few of us across various time zones. So I just pop in maybe once a day, look at the mod queue and it's like, okay, approve or not, and then just go through new, like the past few hours of news or anything here. And thankfully, our users are very good. If there's a comment that's horrible, they'll report it and call it out. So it does get flagged for us. But I'm not spending probably 
I spend more time just refreshing and lurking than I do probably with the moderating stuff. Thankfully, we have other moderators who are very active and very good at it too. So no one spends yeah. a lot of time, at least as far as I, I'm aware. I hope no one spends a lot of time. I spend less and less time on language Reddit. Um, and what I mean by that, it's not just our language learning, but uh, I used to be a very big fan of the linguistics subreddit, but they changed some of the rules uh, in protest. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure if they ever changed it back. It used to be quite a lovely little place with lots of discussion. I think now it's limited to purely academic articles. They've loosened it up a bit, and you could do like press releases about these academic articles and stuff like that. But yeah, it is still much stricter than it was. Which is unfortunate. Like I do love reading the academic articles, but oh, for sure. Still, there's not as much to be able to like. Oh, hey, we can talk. Like they did have one yesterday that was very active in the past few days about universal grammar and how do large language models disprove universal grammar and that type of stuff and that was an interesting one it was very heated in a lot of ways but it was a very interesting thing to read but yeah for the most part there's not much activity they have their weekly q a thread and they try to put everything there and it is sticky but yeah. it does fall out but that's fine like i'm really honestly using reddit less and less myself like our language learning, I'll check for modding, and then I'll might glance into our Glaga for mod stuff, and then our linguists is like our linguistics is like okay, that's it. Yeah, it's a surprisingly small world, you know the 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 language learning community. Even for being a million people strong, um, I continually find people who I recognize from Reddit and from uh, languagelearning.org or uh, howlearnanylanguage.com. Um, you know, people who are in one space, they're in other language spaces, which has always been very surprising to me. Yeah, um, it, it is really weird for that. Like, I guess I'm kind of used to it because the Irish language learning world is very, very small, especially in America. Like, there's people I would talk with and then like, oh, I'd see them every summer when I was doing the immersion programs because everyone went to the same two immersion programs. There's only, there were only two. And so you see everybody's like, oh, yeah, hey, I know you from this Facebook group for American Irish learners. And it's like it's a very small world. So I guess I'm kind of used to it from that. And just the Irish world in general is very small. The Irish language, even in Ireland, the people who are very interested in it. But it is it is weird seeing people and it's like, oh, wait, people linking from a language learners forum to back to Reddit. It's like, oh, yeah, I had this tagged already using uh, Reddit Enhancement Suite. Like, I already knew that it was them. <laughs> and things like that. It is really weird. It's like seeing the small world it is. Yeah. Oh, that's... Uh... Yeah, the, the, the language learning world is smaller than we think, for sure. Yeah, at least the ones who are active online with it. Correct, yeah. There are heaps of people who are not active and who, or they're just passive readers of the thing. But the, the people actually moderating and, you know, uh, contributing to these communities tends to be a smaller group of people than you would imagine. Yeah, which is, it is really weird thinking about that. <laughs> now it's like, oh... Well, Davis, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, no, thank you. Know, you. It was a pleasure. It was a wonderful chat, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Yeah, no, thank you. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Refold Podcast. If you're watching the live premiere, you're in luck. Right as it ends, we have an after party over on the Refold Central Discord server. Come join us by using refold.link forward slash join and chat about the episode.
If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to hear more, you can find older episodes to listen to on YouTube and Spotify. Let us know what you thought about the video by liking and leaving a comment below. Do you have suggestions for upcoming visitors or requests for particular topics? Please feel free to reach out to me on Discord at georgepig hashtag 5413 or via email at clayton at refold.la. Thank you all for watching and or listening, and I'll see you next week.